morning and welcome to the service. David and I had the opportunity these last 12 days to travel north. We visited Emily and her husband in Meadow Lake and we visited Carissa and Brad up at Lynn Lake. So we put on a lot of kilometers. We saw a lot of beautiful countryside and we're thankful to be home. We thank, we're thankful for our safe travels. As you look back over your week, I trust that you have felt God's presence and goodness in your life as well. If you are able, I invite you to stand and we will sing together, Be Exalted, O God. forgiveness and mercy and we are grateful you are our comfort and hope and we cling to you may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight as we worship and gather together this morning amen Shadowing your presence, no 
I think this is when I'm supposed to come up. <laughs> um, just a quick announcement. We are projecting to start Children's Church again on September 11th. 
and there's still space to be a part of this ministry. Um, I cannot assume who of you is really wanting to be a part of children's ministry, so you got to tell me. Um, please text me, call me, email me this week, um, and at this point, we are um, looking at um, if you do volunteer, that you would be a part of co-teaching. So um, there'll always be two people that will be teaching together, and it will be a commitment of once every five weeks. Um, it's a really great group of kids. Um, so I encourage you to think about that, and uh, and if you feel like you're not in the space to to volunteer, you can always pray. Thanks. Lots of things going on as we spool up for the beginning of our, um, what is traditionally our kind of the, our busy season of church programming, beginning with the school year in the fall. And this year, uh, it happens to be that we're also hoping to install some new deacons uh, this fall. And so here's the jug. It's on the table at the back. Uh, you can nominate deacons, uh, and the cutoff date for that. Uh, is today. Uh, our church board will be meeting on Tuesday of this week to discuss deacons and Sunday school, among other things. So if uh, if you, uh, so I, we have, I have a number of nominations received already, but not nearly as many as there are uh, members and participants in our church. So if you have not yet nominated someone to be a deacon and you feel the spirit tapping on your shoulder as to who might be a good person in our congregation, uh, to fill the deacon ministry, to work together with Pastor Russell and other church leaders to uh, take care of the pastor pastoral care end of our congregation and also help with kind of leadership and direction setting for the church as we go forward. Um, nominate, uh, nominate today. Today's the last day for that. Um, so we appreciate your prayerful consideration. Morning. September the 5th. Uh, there is a prayer team going to Paraguay, and Evelyn is part of that prayer team. Rolf and Angela Cruz are also part of this prayer team. And uh, I'd like to just share a, f a little bit of what how you can be involved. For one thing, uh, if you would like to help Evelyn with her uh, plane ticket or something like that that you would like to help with if you want to talk to her and, and uh, help her along financially, that would be awesome. And uh, Rolf and Angela are would, is offering to our church that they would bring a shoebox full of stuff up to 10 pounds for Travis and Rosie, who, of course, as you know, are in Paraguay, and they are very... Uh, important to very important to us because we know them very personally because this is their church and so in this shoebox which i will have a shoebox back here for next sunday you can put stuff let's let's say things that you think i don't know if they can buy this say skittles or let's say nibs uh some things weird snack things that are kind of a canadian thing and that they're maybe missing but maybe more importantly would be to write a note of encouragement and put it in the box. And of course, we can have a lot of notes to get to 10 pounds, and that's why I suggest maybe some snacks that they might enjoy and their kids would enjoy. So next Sunday, there'll be a shoebox. I'll leave a little bit of a note so you kind of know what it's about. And um, pray for the prayer team as they go to Paraguay, that they would really be an encouragement to the missionaries there, to Travis and Rosie in particular. Thank you. Good morning. All right. <sighs> Going to be a toasty one today. Yesterday I realized a great business opportunity. I don't think anyone's ever done this before. We should be selling a list of all of our family uh, events, all of our family get-togethers to the government, not for any creepy reasons, but just I find if it's a family gathering, it's going to be just blisteringly hot to the point of heat stroke or raining the entire time. So they would know the weather much more accurately than whatever the weather people are doing. But if you have your bulletin on you, take it out. A couple things on here. 
First one, prayer meeting, church, 7 p.m. this coming Wednesday. Uh, Next Sunday, 10.45 a.m., worship service. That's going to be a good one. Lyndon Gunther is on deck to be preaching uh, his yearly sermon, and those are always a great time. So that's next Sunday, 10.45 a.m., and also next Sunday, 7 p.m. It's going to be a busy one for the Gunthers because they are hosting the last summer get-together at their place. If you need to know where that is, just come and get in touch with me or the Gunthers. We can get you there. It's also going to be a farewell for Betty Queering, who is soon moving, as we will praying about later. She's moving to Saskatchewan. Her new address is there under the items for prayer. So that is going to be a farewell for Betty. Uh, make sure to come on out and say your farewells. But she is moving that September long. That's the next weekend, isn't it? That's September 3rd. Oh. I've said it again before, and I will say it again, Betty. I'm no fan of this. <laughs> All right, skipping down to the bottom, announcements. Uh, Volunteers are still needed for Kids Club. Uh, Get in touch with uh, Christine uh, Murray about that. I am very much so looking forward to seeing how that is going to go. It's looking to start mid to late October. Uh, So if you are interested in serving in that way, get in touch with her. I would ask you to pray for the ministry uh, as well. September 18th, 2 p.m., Valley View Bible Camp, uh, the Harvest Festival is, and uh, the 60th anniversary this time around. Uh, It's going to be at 4 p.m., meal at 6 p.m. RSVP is encouraged. Uh, You can go onto their website. Uh, There is a contact form that you could fill out there. Otherwise, email Michael Bergen if you have that, or give them a call. That's how you can RSVP. And... As was mentioned before, September 11th is going to be the Sunday School Kickoff, uh, and that is going to be a great day all around. Sunday School Kickoff is September 11th. Bilal and Fatima are looking to come out that day as well, and we're also looking to have a potluck. So September 11th, uh, it's going to be a great time. I think there's also a bunch of town events going on that weekend, including a a great scavenger hunt. I'm going to put a little word out for that the day before. But also, uh, I think a color run later that day. Something like that. Either way, September 11th, Sunday school kickoff. Bilal and Fatima are coming out and a potluck. That is going to be a great day. So make sure to come on out for that. Any more announcements? Oh, that is wonderful news. Nathaniel Taves had his heart surgery on, I think, Tuesday. It was even the day before we were thinking it was going to be. And it has gone well. He is at home recovering. So that is a wonderful thing. Let's make sure to praise God for that. I'll make a note. Uh, Anything else? All right. Uh, Then looking at prayer items. We are fast getting to the point that school is starting again which means that we want to keep our teachers in prayer, we want to keep our school staff in prayer, we want to keep our students in prayer as well as they look to ramp up for this upcoming school year, as well as we want to keep not just our students going to the high school, elementary school, we want to keep our students that are going to university and college and off to wherever life will take them as well as they soon move to wherever that is. So we want to keep uh, all of these in prayer over the weeks to come. Uh, And then, also, Betty Queering moving to Saskatchewan. Uh, We have that next, including the address. I pointed that out before. And Nathaniel. And let's pray for the prayer trip as well. That's leaving September 5th. That's when the, the, the prayer trip to Paraguay is going, September 5th. Let's keep that in our prayers, too. All right, so with that said, please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off, Praising you, praising you for Nathaniel. Lord, thank you so much that the surgery went well. Thank you so much that he got in a day earlier than his reschedule even. That is wonderful news. And thank you so much that he is recovering well. God, we pray that the rest of the recovery, however many months that takes, goes quickly. And we pray that soon it's like this never even happened. Soon the scar is just a good story to tell. 
God, we put that before you, but we thank you that the surgery went well. And speaking of surgeries that went well, we also want to bring Daryl and Audrey's son, Andrew, before you as well. We thank you that that surgery on his herniated disc went well as too. God, we pray that the recovery continues to keep well, and we pray also that that never happens to him again. But again, Lord, thank you. And God, we also want to put before you the things that are coming up soon. We want to pray for our teachers. We want to pray as they prepare their lesson plans, as they prepare everything that they will need to have before them as they go into this new school year. God, we pray that all the ducks fall into a row, that the planning goes well, that inspiration strikes, and most of all, that when the time comes, it will be a great year for them. At the same time, God, we want to pray that the fleeting time of summer for them is also a restful one as well. And God, we want to pray for our school staff too. Lord, we want to pray as they are ordering books, as they are cleaning up the last amount of things to get ready for the new school year. Lord, we want to put everything that needs to go into making a successful school year before you. God, we pray that this will be a good one, that this will be one that they remember. God, we put that before you as well. And Lord, we also want to pray for our students, both first for those that are going here to primary school in the fall. Lord, for a number of us whose kids are going off to kindergarten, it's, it's a little sad, but at the same time, a little exciting. God, we pray that they find their stride quickly. God, we pray that when they get there on the first day, they will see that this, that this is a place that they love to be. And God, for the students that are a bit older, that are looking for maybe their last year of school or soon to it, God, we put before you that these will be great years that they will remember all of their lives as well. That all of the courses in their schedule fall into place and that all of the exams when they come in the future, though they don't need to think of those right away, are good ones as well. God, that we put before you. And for our college and university students that are soon heading off to the corners of the earth, Lord, we pray that the move will be good. We pray that the excitement of this new chapter of their lives proves to be an excitement that was worth having. God, we pray that it is going to be a great year for them. These things we put before you today. And God, we also want to put before you Betty. Lord, as that move comes up real soon, we pray that it is a good one. We pray that she finds a new community to settle into real quick. We pray that possibly old friends come out of the woodwork. Lord, we pray, we pray for her. We pray for her kids as well as they are looking to do the move. September Long is coming up so very soon and we pray that that will be an experience that they all remember and that brings them all together as a family. And God, most of all, we pray for Betty as she makes this move. Lord, we pray that as she remembers the times that she has spent here, it is a good one, and she knows that as she goes, it doesn't mean that we will stop remembering her. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning, and we lay them at your feet. In your name we pray, amen. Now, before I get into the sermon today, we're going to try something a bit different, in that David is going to share an experience of his that is actually going to merge pretty well with our psalm today. Thank you, Russell. Yes, Russell and I were talking about how the psalms connect to the experience of various people in our church, because the psalms are full of people's experiences and feelings and fears, and we were talking about Psalm 20 which includes the writer's perspective on the conflicts between nations, on military might, and on God's strength for victory in battle. And I realized, hey, I'm somebody with an experience there that I could share. So the verse in Psalm 20 that grabbed my attention was verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
It reminded me of my experience and decisions as a teenager. So, as a young teen, I was eager to do something significant with my life, to have a meaningful mission. I was fascinated by the military, by guns, danger, adventure. And back then, video games were a thing, but mostly in arcades. If you failed in your mission on the screen, you could insert another quarter, get another life. But in real life, if I was going to be a soldier, I could not insert another quarter. There was only one chance, and that made this game the ultimate sport. If I was going to succeed in this life and death contest, I would have to train. So I ran. I crawled through the bush. I wore camo army fatigues. I carried gear. My proudest achievement was my assault rifle. Now, it did not shoot, but it was somewhat realistic because it was heavy. It was a pellet gun with a wooden stock and steel barrel that I customized to look like an AK-47. While this was going on, I was also starting to read the Bible and exploring what being a follower of Jesus might look like. And as I read how Jesus taught and lived, how he responded to violence against himself, I wondered if I would be able to both be in the army and be a Christian. Based on the career profiles we completed in grade nine, it seemed the perfect combination of my interests was to be an army chaplain. But as I kept reading the Sermon on the Mount and the Passion according to John, I just couldn't reconcile the way of Christ and the way of the sword. So one night, I figuratively put something on the altar and literally sacrificed the symbol of my ambition. I opened the door of the wood stove and put my assault rifle into the fire. When I opened the door the next morning, just the barrel lay among the ashes. So, what became of my desire for danger and meaningful mission? It was redirected toward evangelism and peacemaking. Instead of giving my life for the political ambitions of my country, I would give my life for the kingdom of God. The dangers I was willing to face were social and spiritual ones. My new path included baptism and Bible college, talking to strangers, and being open to a career in foreign missions. I have not always lived with the courage and idealism of my youth, but there are moments and relationships where I've been an agent of reconciliation. I'm grateful for the example of other Christians who walked Jesus' path of peace in the face of violence, people who served the kingdom of God instead of the lower goals of their tribes or nations. And I'm glad to be part of an Anabaptist Mennonite conference that teaches it is better to be killed than to kill. As a side note, I'm keen to discuss and debate this with Christians who see it differently. But I find sometimes that sharing the story of my conversion tends to shut down conversations or start arguments. And sometimes when I meet young men who want to join the armed services, I remember that I have to affirm the good, their desire to do something meaningful, courageous. I tell them my story. I give an example maybe of how I've walked into conflict situations to be a peacemaker. And sometimes I recommend the movie Hacksaw Ridge and tell them it's like my story, a man who is willing to serve but not to kill. So he faces extreme danger as a medic, helping all the humans on both sides of the war. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Thank you. Today, in our psalmer, 
We look at the second to last kind of psalm in the book of Psalms. We look at the royal psalms. And as you've probably gathered, this is going to be a very different kind of message as compared to all the others that we've looked at as we've gone through the psalms so far. Because with the other types of psalms, it was clear just how they were to be used, who they were for, but these these are something different. And that's because the royal psalms, they were not originally written for us common folk, us plebs at all. At least not directly. We'll see about that in a moment. But instead, the royal psalms were written for the benefit of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah. They were about praying for their success. They were about praying for them as they went on campaigns, about praying for them in their governance. These are the God bless the king psalms. And we need to talk about them because there are a pile of them. And over their history, how they have been read in many different ways and who they have been thought to be for has done an awful lot of damage. And so this morning we're going to explore what one of them says, the most famous one, and also hopefully find a way that we can read them today as well and who we should read them for today as well. And so, if you have your Bibles on you, turn with me now to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. This psalm has four different sections. And the first goes from the intro to verse 5. So Psalm 20, verses 1 to 5. And there together we read, For the director of music, a psalm of David, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up your banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now we begin with that intro for the director of music, a psalm of David. This tells us something about how the psalm was first used back in the day. This is a psalm that's written by the king with the intent that his musical director is going to give this to the people to in turn sing for the benefit of the king himself. So we're the ones singing it, and we're singing it to King David. It's a religious song, uh, as we can tell from a lot of the imagery that's used in it. But it's also largely what we would call today royal, and this word comes really loaded, but it's the closest thing we have in English to what this is, royal propaganda. It wouldn't have those same negative feelings attached to it as that word carries for us today. Uh, And we'll see why it doesn't have that same negative connotation to it, but that's what it is. And we can see this element of this passage already in verse 1. The Lord answer you when you are in distress. This is the first ask of David for his people to pray for him. As we will soon see... This psalm was almost certainly composed right before the king sets out on a military campaign, and that meant that there was upcoming distress that was a real possibility for David. Kings at that point were on the ground generals in the thick of the action, swords clanging around them. And so to go to war for the king was to be in distress. He was in the midst of the fighting. And so we see protection is what is prayed for for the king next. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. When God's name is said to do something, it is because that is something that God does because that is who God is. So may the the name of God protect you. Is may God protect you not only because we now ask for that to happen, but because may God protect you, because that is who God is. 
God is free to do as he will with our prayers for him. But at the same time, God always acts according to who God is. May he send you help from his sanctuary and grant your support from Zion. In the days of David, God is not understood to dwell in all of creation like we know him to today in every corner of the cosmos itself. God in those days, he's free to go wherever he wanted. He could go wherever he wanted, but nevertheless, it was understood that he had a home that he lived in, and that was his sanctuary in the center of his court on Mount Zion. That is the mountain in the middle of Jerusalem that under King David's son, Solomon, the temple itself would be built there. This was the seat of God's kingdom, as it was understood. So for him to send support from Zion, that that was for God to not just be with you, not just be okay with what you're doing. That is for God to also be your ally in the upcoming war as well. May he remember your sacrifices and your burnt offering. That comes next. The role of the kings in those days was a many-faceted thing. They were administrator, they were judge, they were general, but also in many ways they were priest. The king was expected to do many religious rituals as a part of his role, and you can see examples in that in passages like 2 Samuel chapter 6, where the king sacrificed, where the king danced and praised God as they brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem for the first time. Important here, before a battle, it was expected that the king would sacrifice many animals and spend much time in prayer and worship asking God to bless his campaign. May God remember your piety and remember this ask of yours that he will be your ally as you go into war. That is what we are asking God there on behalf of the king. And may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. And here is where we learn that David is asking for a military campaign, for God to help him on his military campaign, because that line there, shouting for joy, lifting up banners, that talks about two possible things. The first is what happens in movies that you watch today after a great battle. They raise the banners and they just cry out to the Lord, victory is ours. But it also refers to another thing as well. When there was a great triumph, then the king of Jerusalem, he would return to his holy city, often on the back of a colt or a donkey, while the people that lie in the entry road praise him for bringing them victory home. That sounds mighty familiar to you. Palm Sunday. And so the prayer is, may God bring these cheers of celebration to your efforts. To which we go to the second section. And it's a short one, verse six. Now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. This is why I love the Psalms of David. Notice the switch of pronouns that happens here. Section one, it's all us talking together, it's all we, it's all our. We are asking our Lord to do these things for the king. But now, now we switch to talking personally. This is to be what I think, not just as part of the people of Israel, but this is to be something that me, I individually know myself. This is something that I know to be true. This is something I know to be obvious. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. That's an important verse right there. As we try to make sense of how to understand this passage today, who this passage is for today. This verse is the reason I said that while this psalm is on, well, it is royal propaganda. It doesn't come with that same negative attachment for the people at the time of David as it would for us today when we hear that word. 
Because there's one big difference between David and how we would think of this passage today. And that is that David was anointed by God to be the king. 1 Samuel 13. For people in David's time reading this psalm, this, this verse is why it's not out of place for them all to pray. For why would God not act in the benefit of the one that he chose? David is the chosen king of the chosen people, the one that they had asked the Lord for. The Lord is their God, and they are his people. And David is the one that the Lord anointed to lead them now as they requested. And so to pray for David to be victorious is to pray for God to better their lot in the world as well. To pray for David to find victory is to pray for the people to find that same victory as well. More than that, where Israel is, is at the crossroads of two great empires, as we'll see in just a bit. For God to grant victory to David is to God to grant them protection as well. Because imagine being the little guy packed between two world powers of their age. He answers from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. And again, we are stating what we are to know as obvious. This is who we know God to be, who I know God to be. Then the same is now most people were right-handed, I'm sorry, left-handed people, but that was your sword hand. It was the victorious strength of the Lord, his right hand of might. It is his strength. And that God has that power, then what is anything to that? To which we go to the third section, verses seven and eight. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Those are the verses that David quoted before. This David, not the king, but. And they make me giggle a little bit, not because of how David used them, but because of how David used them. A lot of shade is being thrown in these verses here. So when you hear them read, I guess I read them a little bit wrong. Let's try instead to read them in a bit of a sarcastic voice. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's closer to how we should be reading that. And the reason I say that is because there's only a handful of powers in the Old Testament that are famous for chariots, and only one of those powers existed during the time of David, and that's Egypt. Chariots are like the ancient equivalent of stealth bombers today. They were the best of the best weapons that money could buy in that era. A single chariot, that could decide battles for itself, but to build a chariot, that that took a lot of money. They were clad in iron, which is that new miracle material of the time. It took serious amount of skill, serious amount of gold to make these things, more than many small kings could ever dream of affording. And that's saying nothing about the amount of time it went into training the horses and training the people to actually just ride the things. But Egypt, Egypt had entire battalions of these things. So possibly, maybe this campaign of David is asking us to pray for victory for some battle he's going to the south to Egypt to fight. Highly doubt that. More likely, some vassal state that is under Egypt's control, or at least on good enough terms that it got a couple 
goodwill chariots thrown its way. That happened then, the same as now. But regardless of who it is with, the point still remains. With God on our side, the strength of our foes, of what consequence is that? I mean, look at what happened to mighty Egypt in the past. Mighty Egypt who enslaved our ancestors. Mighty Egypt with their battalions of chariots. With God leading God's anointed, leading God's chosen people. How did that even slightly stand in God's way? The enemies of the Lord will fall while we will stand firm in the might of our Lord. And our passage concludes with verse 9. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. And for the final time, the choir leader changes those pronouns again. No longer are we talking just about ourselves, but now we are in a group. Lord, give victory to this king, to our king. Lord, this is what we ask of you. Please answer us as you promise to always answer your chosen people. Give victory to David, your anointed king. Psalm 20, a royal psalm. Now, it shouldn't surprise you to learn that over the years, the royal psalms, this one very much so included, they have been interpreted and applied in a number of different ways to be for the benefit of a number of different people. And the result of these different readings have ranged from okay to straight out supporting actual genocide. The first people these royal psalms were understood to be for were the obvious ones. During the time of the monarchy in Israel and Judah, these psalms were interpreted as simply being for the benefit of whichever king was currently in power. But that changed when the monarchy fell. The people of Judah and Israel were dragged into exile. And then after that, while some were allowed to return home, they never had a king of their own again. So who was it for then? The Jewish people continued to read these psalms all the same. But they came to the conclusion that they are the chosen people after all. Were not they also the Lord's anointed? And so they read the royal psalms as applying to them. As they prayed for the king to have victory in the past, now they prayed for their people to have victory in the name of the Lord instead. And then we Christians burst onto the scene. And over our history, we have also tried to interpret these psalms and who they were for the benefit of. At first, we read the royal psalms, this one included, as being for the benefit not of King David, but instead for our great king, for the benefit of Jesus. And this in many ways fits, as Jesus is also working to overcome the opposition of the world, to spread his kingdom of heaven to all creation itself. On that level, it feels right. There's only one problem with this reading, though, and that's that these psalms were written for a human king under God. They weren't written for the Son of God himself. And so when you read the royal psalms as being explicitly about Jesus, then Jesus comes off as just a man and nothing more. And I shouldn't have to say, but any reading of scripture that strips Jesus' divinity from him, that's not a great reading of the Bible right there. So then time went by, and we shifted how we read these royal psalms. Feudalism came into the West. Monarchies reemerged. And the church figured, well, a king is a king is a king. So we just straight up applied the royal psalms to the new rulers instead. And while we don't have kings and queens in the same way these days, 
I'd hazard a guess that it's not uncommon at all to hear these passages read in this way even now. After all, our rulers still deal with upcoming wars. They still deal with the struggles of governance and justice. So why not just read these psalms as being explicitly for them? Well, I'll tell you why. This is the less than stellar understanding of the royal psalms. It's because David was the anointed king of the Lord. It's because David, for all of his many, many problems was a man after God's own heart. Meaning that when push came to shove, he chose to do the Lord's will and to return to our God when he had strayed. And so God was with David and he was with his chosen people, all of whom David ruled as a godly, if imperfect, king. That hasn't existed since the last king of Israel and Judah fell, and really, arguably, it didn't exist for quite some time before that even. And keeping that in mind, because it's important that you keep that in mind, because by applying these psalms to our own leaders today, even though they are not David, what you end up doing is... You end up with Christians praying that their nations will emerge victorious in bloody conflicts against fellow believers whose only sin is not being born in the right country. As we pray, Lord, grant our king victory. It was one thing to play that before in the time of David, but if we pray it now as we go to war against some other Christian nation, that's our fellow believers that are dying there. By applying these psalms directly to our leaders and our nations today, we believers have, without maybe even realizing it, but we most certainly have prayed for, condoned, and promoted just all matter of atrocities racist, sexist, bigoted policies on the home front, and you don't need to look too far into stories of Rwanda or what's going on in Ethiopia now to see actual genocides happen, or even how we applied them to our own leaders in the past to completely whitewash what happened with the residential schools. We say prayer matters. In the royal psalms, we're giving carte blanche for victory for our king. So either prayer doesn't matter and we don't believe that these things actually are things that value or... Prayer for our leaders, that the Bible does say we should do. Pray that they will see the leading of our Lord in their work. Pray that the kingdom of our God will be built by their actions with and without their knowing. But these passages, these royal psalms that pray just for unmitigated victory against the enemy, if the result of scripture applied ends you with something that flies in the face of everything our Lord Jesus teaches, it's safe to say that that scripture is being applied wrong. So these passages, I think you'll agree with me, they're not for our leader's benefit today either. So how should this kind of psalm be understood now that the age of King David has passed? Well, for my part, If I were going to apply this passage in any way, I think I'd take a page from how the rabbis have been teaching them for millennia now. Let's read it about you and me. Are we not the Lord's anointed? Is that not a part of what we see happen? 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in our conversion? Is that not a part of what we show the world in our baptism? Through these things, Paul teaches us in Romans 8 that we Christians, we are adopted into the chosen people too. We are adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. So, again, I ask you, are we not the Lord's appointed too? And while we may not be the kings of grand empires, I'll, I'll remind you that we are tasked to stretch the borders of a different kingdom. While we may not ride out at the front of the cavalry or drive in the iron chariots of old, we, we do campaigns in a new way, a better way, that also sees the land built up healed, things set right. Every act of outreach, every coffee bought for a friend feeling blue, every dollar donated, every hour spent in prayer, peace building in your Bible, in church, in the community, aiding reconciliation or building those around you up, every time you talk about our Savior, every moment you follow him. What is that if not a campaign to spread his kingdom of peace to the world? So for us, for you and me, from our psalm today, I say we do this. Pray to the Lord as you work to further his kingdom. Pray to the Lord, answer me in my distress. Pray to the God of Israel. Pray to him on his throne in heaven. Give us what we desire to see your kingdom built. Offer to our Lord sacrifices, sacrifices of our time, of our resources to build his nation up. Pray that one day when his kingdom comes, we will all be there, banners raised, shouting victory at the top of our lungs. Let us pray, Lord, give us victory as we spread your kingdom. Be with us with your victorious right hand. The same right hand that we're told in Hebrews 1.3 sits Jesus Christ, your son. With our God, our victory is assured. We may not be kings, but if you're looking to apply the royal psalms, this will do you well. As a battle cry, not for us to lead the march to war, but instead for us to see the kingdom of God, his kingdom of peace, finally come. I invite you to stand if you are able, and we will sing together in closing, Victory in Jesus.
And for our benediction today, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God. Thank you.